In this episode, we talk about how bootstrappers can win against companies that have raised massive amounts of money. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Rick? Not much, Tyler. It's good to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> I am in Hawaii, actually. Yeah, you've got a, a hotel backdrop going on. So you mentioned you're going to be there. How, uh, like, you're on vacation? How's it feel? It feels amazing. Because um, you've had a this, stressful, like, or maybe stressful is the wrong word, but like a very busy, uh, I don't know, six months or something. Like it's been going for a while. Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have. I think I did a good job of preparing for vacation, um, which is is people talk about how it's hard to get back when you get back from vacation. It's like super hard because you're behind. It's like I find getting to the point where I can go on vacation to be the most stressful. Um, but I got there and got everything done. And uh, it was a seven hour plane ride with a two year old um, from Utah, <laughs> which we survived. Um, he was he, he, he did not sleep the entire time. And when we were landing, he started doing his American Idol impressions of like screeching, screaming oh. uh, with his like with his like boy band face. <laughs> so that was lovely. Two years old is probably too young to like distract them with an iPad, I assume. Uh, we, we did that. You uh, did. But, okay. but the, the problem is that distractions don't distract for as long as as you want them to. So you have to come up with, you know, distractions last 15 minutes on average. Something my brother did amazingly well is like his kids basically never saw a screen of any kind for the vast, vast majority of their childhood. But then when he did need to kind of shut them up, like when we were traveling, like not that I, I didn't normally travel with them, but occasionally I did. You put an iPad in front of them and they were just like they were consumed by it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. What you got planned for the rest? Because you're you, you're there for a week. Uh, we're here for until the 13th, so uh, 11, 10 or 11 days. Yeah, almost wow. two weeks. So pretty su- just, sweet. Just relaxing and hanging yeah, out. Yeah, we're, we're at the, and that we're type at the Disney Resort and um, just outside of Honolulu. So it's called Alani, I think is what it's called, but it's very Disney, and so there's you, you really don't have to leave the resort if you don't want to. So gotcha. it'll be interesting to see if we do actually leave the resort. I'm I'm pretty much a fan of just hanging. Uh, there's plenty of restaurants here. We've got a huge, we got a huge Instacart order delivered. Um, we do not need to leave this resort, yeah. uh, but I, I think we probably will go do something. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, what's going on with you uh, professionally? Well, um, I guess the big update since the last episode, last episode, I believe we talked about bring like what, what it would take compensation wise to make it uh, leg up benefits worth your while. And I'm happy to report that after that episode, we uh, went back and forth like one time and, uh, and, and aligned on, on a, uh, a deal. And so we've got, you know, assuming I think you're coming out here in a couple of weeks or maybe a month uh, to as part of your sabbatical. And we're going to hopefully get it all done then and start cranking on the, on the leg up benefits platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I think last episode we kind of got through like, you gave the explanation of the structure of the terms, but not necessarily like the final numbers. And because we had never even talked about it before. I don't know if like, do you want to give like a, another update or just leave it at like, it, it, it is very similar to what we discussed last time. Um, just a couple minor tweaks, right? 
I think what's interesting is that the the levers we we told we, we decided to tweak uh, was actually just one lever, and it was the uh, shared earnings multiple. So um, nothing really changed from what we talked about, but we did ratchet up the multiple to give you more long longer, like kind of immediate, not immediate, like medium term um, upside. Um, and you know that that the re- the, the justification for that was. Uh, you know, there's a little bit earlier stage risk that you're taking on. Um, and then we also have a larger uh, founder earning, like partner earnings threshold that uh, will keep you from getting paid. So um, yeah. we, we, so we just we doubled the multiple, didn't we? Yeah. And let me just contextualize that for people. So if anyone listened to the last one, we basically, you, you kind of built something very similar to the Calm Fund uh, shared earnings agreement. Um, so if you go to I don't know if it's calmfund.com, whatever their website is, and look up the shared earnings agreement. Same basic idea where I was putting in effectively an investment, but it's my time instead of money. Calm Fund uses a 3x multiple. And what that means is like if I put in as the investor $50,000, I get back up, like I get paid back a share of profits up to 150000 three times my investment. That's their default number. And I assume they tweak it when they make investments too. But what we agreed on is, Calm Fund normally invests in companies that are more de-risked than Leg Up is right now, where like they've got full-time founders working on it and more attraction than you have right now. So we doubled the number from three to six to reflect that there's more risk of me getting nothing. But otherwise, we basically stuck with the terms that the the shared earnings agreement comes with. Yep, yep. And and I was uh, thinking that I would would also write something in that would sort of allow long term uh, if Tyler ever decided not to be involved at all in the business, uh, a way to sort of get back the um, residual equity, notional equity. Um, but we just threw that out. So to keep it simple. Um, but yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with how it landed. I think I hope you are too. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. so yeah, well, it will it will be finalized. I'm building kind of a proof of concept, not even like an MVP, but just like proof that I can still build web apps and deploy them. Uh, and once I've proven that, we'll actually sign this and uh, start working on the real app. And our, both of us are expecting this. This is like a year-ish worth of... Um, this isn't like I'm working for the company indefinitely maintaining this. This is like I got to build the thing and keep it running through the end of the year or something like that. And if if you want more of my labor after that, we'll, we'll talk and renew some some new agreement after that. I think that's a really good point. We we built this on sort of a, a an estimate of time spent over the next year um, and a deliverable. So um, the deliverable being like V1 um, uh, and actual paying customers uh, on some platform. Um, and then uh, the time being one year-ish. Um, and then mm-hmm. uh, you know, the idea, though, is the way we structured it is we could, the, the framework could be repeated um, with an additional sort of time investment and shared earnings agreement. So the, we could stack multiple of these on top of each other over multiple years um, if we need to and want to. Yep. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm very happy with how it worked out. I, I can't wait. So my this actually segues nicely into my my sabbatical starts next Friday. Um, now, the first week of that, I'm just going to Telluride and I'm, I'll be skiing. on vacation. Just skiing. I'm not going to yeah. be diving into your stuff quite yet. But uh, it's like really close. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm getting very excited because... When you plan something for a few months out, I don't know about you, but in my head, I'm like, that's kind of like, it'll never happen. Like, I know it will happen, but I'm not like emotionally ready for it. Uh, and now that it's like a week away from the sabbatical starting, I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is getting very real. This is real. I mean, remind yeah. me how many weeks are you taking off from less annoying? 
six weeks. Six weeks. Um, so the first week is vacation. So I've got five weeks where my plan is to basically do like four days a week uh, working on leg up stuff. Although my, my hope is to kind of go into like startup mode, go go nocturnal. Like I'm not really going to be working a nine to five here. Um, but especially there's 10 days where I'll be in Utah with you. And that's, I mean, I'm just a machine that turns fast food into code. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I, I, I used to be able to do that. I'm hoping I still can. <laughs> well, I, I think you, you noticed, but there is a lot of good food oh. where, near where you're staying. Yeah, not everybody. Good, if, not good food, like bad food. That's great that, fast that's food, you. but you've got... I don't. Have you been to Freddy's? I, ha- I have. Um, I have not. I've, is it so good? I have not. It's like had my top their, tier. Really? M- most people have never heard of Freddy's. I think it's my number one fast food restaurant in the world right now. And there's one walking distance from my Airbnb. So this is going to be a good trip. Yeah. So <laughs> so at Freddy's, I've only had a um, custard shake and it was not what I was looking for that day. Um, so mm-hmm. I assume a burger might be better. Go there, get a burger and some cheese curds. Yeah. Uh, mm. If if you like In and Out, it's it's In and Out, but everything is better and they have more variety. That's and you saw the In and Outs right there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I think I think In and Out is good and overrated. So <laughs> yeah. we'll see if I go there. Five now, Guys, Smash I haven't Burger. been to Five Guys in years. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. so much. It's uh, <laughs> Salt Lake City is lacking in many ways, but it's not lacking in fast food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh. You know, I, I think um, I, I can go to this. The second topic that I had here kind of relates. Um, so we JD came out uh, to Utah uh, this past weekend for four days. He came, well, he came out on a Thursday, did did meetings on Friday, and then we met. On, we we kind of got together Friday night, and um, you know had our working session on Saturday. But I thought I'd like share some takeaways from that if that mm-hmm. if you're interested. Yeah, definitely. Biggest one is uh, in-person time is special. And until you go do it again, you don't really realize how special it is. And like, I think we're going to have yeah. the same experience you and me when you come out. Um, mm-hmm. Cause we haven't seen each other in person in a while. Yeah. Pre pandemic, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just, man, it was just great. Like it took a, we, we, we hung out Friday night, um, went to, uh, uh, went, went and played basketball um, and then went and had dinner and, you know, by the second beer, it was just like, we were talking about real stuff, stuff that you don't talk about, you know, over yeah. the, over the zoom or whatever it is. And, uh, it, it totally shifted our agenda for the next day in a good way, hmm. in a great way. Hmm. Um, we, we overprepared. Um, that was one takeaway I had, uh, is, is we, we tried to do too much in advance. Um, and it yeah. was over preparing because it didn't leave room for flexibility because c- you wouldn't know what you wanted to talk about until you started talking. Yeah. Yeah. I think we tried to like engineer the perfect uh, agenda and it was like what we needed to talk about were three things and they became very obvious based on our Friday evening chat. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's great though that you, I mean, easy problem to solve, but. Oh yeah. And and part of, you know, you say that you say, you know, prep was a waste of time, but part of the reason we were to shift to the stuff that we Hmm. did talk about was because we prepared. So I probably (laughs) should over like over, not over index on correcting that. Um, but yeah, we played we played b ball together that night, and then Saturday was awesome. I mean, man, uh, the first thing we did, um, and I'll just share like what we actually did versus what we thought we were going to do. What we mm-hmm. actually did was the first thing we did was we we went through and confirmed our goals uh, for the upcoming year, um, and it's basically get to twelve k in, in monthly recurring revenue, and we have uh, three levers for that, but they're really just two. We simplified it. If we're, if we're going to do the three levers, it would be two hundred consumer clients. 
10 uh, group health insurance clients and 10 leg up benefits customers. And so we simplified it to 200 consumer clients and, and 20 employer customers. And there's a, you know, there's a chance that like if JD just figures it out, cracks the code, he could accomplish this stuff without leg up benefits, right? Like, mm -hmm. so there is this sort of like dependency on leg up benefits. Um, for if we had, if we had, uh, made it a kind of 210, 10. So we decided to do 220 because it was controllable. And we expect that some percentage of that 20 will come from leg up benefits being launched. Cool. So, uh, that gets us to 12 K and MRR. Um, the next thing that we focused on, uh, was just adjusting JD's comp. So based on the, you know, hitting the goals, making sure he had a pathway to, um, hitting his, you know, target personal comp for the year. Um, the biggest changes we made to his compensation were, I mean, this was an oversight on my part. I really wasn't thinking about is there wasn't actually a payment trigger for employers now that we're selling employers. And mm -hmm. so we added variable compensation for that. And then the other so, big thing, yeah, variable compensation, like like commission more or less. Commission. Yeah. Per, okay. per, per new customer added, um, or yeah, per in, in the case of an employer per employee added, um, you know, there's a, there's a variable trigger there. And then, um, we also added, this was pretty interesting. We added an accelerator. So, um, it's recurring revenue. So the sooner we get it, the more valuable it is. So, um, we, we basically have doubled the, uh, payout on any, um, uh, either consumer commission or employer commission earned in half one to uh, incentivize um, uh, what we're calling leaving the, um, you know, leaving the uh, offsite mamba mentality, which is um, effectively earned confidence. So, okay, this is probably the biggest thing I'll transition. So the biggest <laughs> thing that came out of our, our, our evening together on Friday that we spent a lot of time talking about the next day was the fact that we lack confidence. We're sort of passive, passive about our asking for people's business. Um, so we have this like thing that's working, but when we get on the phone with someone who buys health insurance, we almost forget to ask for their business. It's just like mm -hmm. we answer all their questions and then we're like, okay, see ya. And then they're not our <laughs> client afterwards because we, we helped them and then they don't have a pain point anymore. And so we talked a lot about that. And what we came to was JD and I have a combined two decades, two plus decades worth of experience in this space. We are approaching it uh, with with a very differentiated value offering, uh, and we should be confident about asking for people's business. And if they say no, it's okay. Like, right? It's okay. And, and so we're, we 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 sort of came to this thing like we're afraid to get a no. And so we 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 tried to come up with like what is it that we we need to change? It's like we we thought about Kobe Bryant. His he's fearless man. Like he puts the work in, and he has this earned confidence that's referred to as Mamba mentality. So we actually adopted Mamba mentality as a new core value. Um, which came out of this offsite, not expected at all. Like not at yeah. all. The you, you weren't going in there like, how do I get JD to? Uh, how, how do I tell him to be more aggressive? And no, it just it just happened. And it, not just JD, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both of us, like the company, like uh, like being like somewhat egotistical about what we're doing um, instead of passive. Um, not egotistical, but like earned, like very confident in a good way. Um, yeah. I think there's a journey a lot of people go on where like you don't want to sell because selling it almost feels like a like begging or something like that and then I mean I I can't count the number of times someone some thought leader on Twitter or someone correctly said like hey everybody there's no shame in selling what you're doing like that's how you get people to know you're doing it. Yep. So that's cool. I'm I'm yeah. excited about that. And JD's gotten three AORs uh, already this week as a result of just asking confidently really? for business and getting to know. So, like, 
I mean, obviously you never know the contrapositive, but like probably these three would not like the, the only thing that really changed is just asking basically. Yep. And like, Asking to the point of getting a no. There's a difference between mm, asking okay. and then asking to the point of like, I, you have to tell me no or I'm going to keep selling you. Right. And having the confidence that that's okay. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But, uh, you know, another thing though. So now that I'm like quasi a member of your team, sort of, I'm like, so a thing with, with less knowing CRM, my brother Bracken, my co-founder, great person to start a business with. But if you were like, forming a dream team of co-founders, you wouldn't pick me, a software engineer, and him, a DevOps engineer. You wouldn't be like, let's pick two engineers to team up. You'd be like, I, me, the software engineer, I want a guy who can go sell, you know? And I really like hearing now someone on my team, because I'm sort of on your team now, is going and doing the thing that I would be really uncomfortable with. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And and you need to stop like qualifying being on the team. You're a partner. Um, I, yeah, sure. And, and, and so like, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done my work yet though. That's why I'm qualifying. Yeah, no, I get it. But like, that, that's how, that's how this thing is. And like, part of the question is like, you know, we, we've differentiated in this agreement between a employee or a employee partner and a non-employee partner. You're a non-employee partner, um, mm-hmm. but we're all partners in this yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, your contribution will be extremely meaningful. So the question, one, one thing we left is like, does Tyler come to this next year? Yeah. I, I was going to say that too. Like wh- whether it's that or something like I've met JD before, but I, I don't like know him well. And uh, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to just like, when I look back at less knowing serum, the, the stuff you're doing right now, I would give anything to just be able to re-experience that. And you never can, you can never go back. But like, if I can have a chance to get some of your steal, some of your experience, like, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah. JD feels the same way. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that was a big thing. Like I, I, I don't know, it's hard to put a, a dollar value on a moment of like value clarity and like the changes your behavior going forward. But I, I think this could be a huge turning point in our, in our evolution as a business. Um, but both for me and JD, cause like I, it, it's yeah. totally changed how I talk about the business and it, it's not the words that I'm using. It's like the, it's the tone and the emotion and the, and the, just the, ugh, like, I'm going to get you to say no before I let you off the phone now. Um, yeah. And then the last thing we did, I'll, and I'll wrap up here, is uh, we, 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 we spent some time, once we, we realized, okay, we have this mama mentality, it's like, we're not going to let someone off the phone unless we pitch them. What's the pitch? Mm. And so we spent some time <laughs> like getting a, a really like, concrete ask down, one for consumer and one for employer. Um, and the consumer one's really simple, like, we already had all the messaging. We just needed to condense it into like a an ask. Um, and then uh, the employer one was really interesting because what it, what it made us realize is if you're in a, if you're a small business less than twenty employees, we have something for you no matter who you are. So literally every small business is an ICP now, which is amazing because mm-hmm. at Zane Benefits it was always like if this, if that, and if that, then they are a good customer. In, in this case, it's like you have less than twenty employees, we're for you. If you have group, we can be your agent. If you are giving people money, you should use like benefits. If you don't do anything, you should refer employees to individual health insurance and we should take be your individual health insurance uh, person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was really um, enlightening. And, and so we, we, we built all that out. The rest of the time, uh, we uh, drank lots of hazy IPAs. I, I got lucky and uh, picked the, a good beer that JD <laughs> is that likes what you're too. into now? <laughs> I am. I'm into hazies and so is JD. Nice. So that worked well. And then um, we skied together at Powder Mountain. Have you skied Powder Mountain? Yeah, I went there uh, last year around the holidays. Um, amazing holy cow yeah although it's it's 
the reason it's amazing is because it's not crowded mostly, yes. right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and there's a there's a reason it's not crowded. Like they're not doing any of the stuff that a normal ski resort does. Like there's no signs anywhere. I got no. lost like a million times at that resort. But anyway, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a great snow day. I mean, it was just amazing. So that was awesome. And then one of the um, unexpected benefits was this. I'll 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 I will truly wrap up on this. Having JD over to like interact with Ollie, hang out with Sable, that was really cool. Um, and it made me yearn a little bit for like the co-location future yeah. that, that's possible. Um, uh, and, and you know, I'd like to see his family too. Um, so we talked about maybe doing like a summer a summer trip of some kind where we invite families. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, whether you co-locate one day or just you know, find times to, you know, have remote meetups or something like that. I, I feel just, I feel really sad and sorry for people who take this attitude of like the people you work with are just, they're just work relationships. We're here to make money. Five o'clock comes and all your real relationships are with other people. And it's like, yes, you, you obviously should have meaningful relationships outside of the people you work with, but like what a missed opportunity to not also have those close relationships with the people you spend 40 hours a week or more working with. Uh, it's a great thing. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that was the offsite. Thank you for your help and, um, help plan it. Um, and I, you know, it was amazing and I can't wait till the next one. Cool. That's awesome to hear. You always, with, with these things, it's like, it's hard to, I always feel like it's not going to be worth it. Like, you know, it's, we're just going to spend two days talking to each other. How can anything meaningful come out of this? And then it always delivers every time. Yeah, every time, every time, every time. And, yeah. So, um, you know, it's good, to, good to have a third partner and I'm, it, yeah, like it's encouraging to, to know that mom, mama mentality is something you get excited about is something, someone who's oh, yeah. like, I don't, I do not want to be on the phone selling, uh, selling. I mean, thing. I'm not, I'm not mom, but who, who was like the, uh, the Steve Kerr of, of, uh, the Lakers when Kobe was there. That's what I want to be. <laughs> Robert Ori. Okay. I've never heard of him, but sure. <laughs> he looks like Will Smith. Um, okay. Maybe, uh, who's the shortest person on the Lakers (laughs) anyway? Um, cool. So a couple just kind of like regular updates for me. Um, so we've, we're about a year and a half into a growth slump, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, I have no explanation for why, but February was an amazing month for us. Um, arguably our best month ever in terms of growth. I say arguably because we've had two better months, but they're like, they were both weird flukes where I can explain this one thing happened that was months in the making this, but I don't know what happened last month. Just, uh, we added $65,000 in new ARR, which is five times what we've been averaging recently. Is that net or is that, um, that's net. Yeah. Wow. And yet, do you have Um, any explanations? I mean, like one account added 50. So, um, I kind of break the revenue movement in three groups. There's new new people added, uh, which includes reactivating old accounts. Uh, there's churn, which is either them canceling or like their credit card failing, like involuntary churn. And then there's expansion slash retraction. So our, our accounts that are not new and didn't cancel, did they add or remove users net? We got maybe 80 users from expansion, last month above our average. Um, so it's, that was part of it. But even if you take that away, it was still a great month. So basically, that's only, no, that's only, that's only $800. Uh, 
Uh, we're 15 a month oh, that, now, sorry. but okay. Yeah. I was doing monthly though. That's monthly. And I was talking ARR instead yeah. of MRR, but, but it's still like, it, it still takes us from a amazing month to a still very, very good month yeah. without that. So I don't know. Interesting. Um, do you, th- do you our, think this will happen again in March? Our free trial pipeline is definitely better than it was a year ago. So I do think I think that we have made some progress in getting out of the slump. But if you look at the free trial pipeline, which is as good of an indicator as I've got, we're not like fully back to where we want to be. So I would guess March, there's no way March will be as good. It, it may very well be like good enough that if we can just keep doing this long term, we'd be fine. Heck yeah. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so you're just kind of um, like, good. That was great. I hope it happens again. Yeah, and you know this. I I mentioned this in our yearly recap that uh, maybe like two or three times in the past we've had slumps like this where when you're in it you're just like it. It honestly kind of feels like the business is about to die. Thankfully, I've been through it enough that I don't feel that way now. And all the previous times, it just the slump stopped and I can't, I, it's not like we, we launched this major update or we have this new marketing channel. It's just like, I don't know. We started growing faster again. So maybe that's happening right now. We'll see. I hope it is. Yeah, that'd be great. But it also, I, I, I believe some of it at least has to do with the work we've done over the last year, um, partially on the product side, but especially like marketing We're we're spending a lot more unpaid acquisition and Alex who previously was, biz dev like trying to get partnerships which almost never work out he's now just like he's buying leads and calling them and the roi is like not good enough but we're just doing it we're just going out there and taking every customer we can get and uh yeah at least some of that seems to be working yeah and i think um i think that that's a good strategy especially through an economic downturn i'm a believer um that sales power you through those and uh you probably like getting through the Surviving the t- downturn is more important than than uh, unit economics. Yeah, yeah. I I can't argue that if all of your customers come in from sales, your the unit economics on sales have to be acceptable. But if it's five percent of your customers, I, I you know I can't exactly connect the dots about how that leads to the business working, but that's, that's how it started with us. You know, we, we were, it wasn't sales, it was Google AdWords, but we were paying a thousand dollars to acquire a $10 a month user for a first year, year and a half. And then somehow that created this organic channel that we have now of, of free users coming in. So yeah, just, it. just do it and, and hope everything else works out, <laughs> even though we can't measure it. Um, the other update I've got is, uh, yeah, we're, so we already did two pretty big launches this year. One was the new API and one was Zapier. We are getting to the point where the the third and much bigger than either of those launches uh, a new redesign. And it's not like launching next week or anything, but this is the type of thing that's going to have like a multi-staged rollout. Like we're going to do an alpha test and a beta test and uh, several several rounds of kind of gradually soft launching it to people. And we're close enough that we're starting to plan that timeline and it's starting to look real, which is very exciting. Any, um, any interesting insights here? Any learning? Um, just that it's really complicated. Uh, when you're, when you've got a new product, you can kind of change it really aggressively and who cares? Uh, your customers are early adopters by definition. And even if they get mad, it's like, Oh, our two customers got mad, like whatever. Uh, when you have 10,000 customers, like we do, or I can't even imagine how this must work 
at Facebook where they have 2 billion daily active users, but you just, the, the logistics of all the moving pieces that have to fit together for this to be ready to launch. And then like, how are we going to communicate it to people? Um, Cause there are some people who are going to hate anything you do. It's, it doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't even matter exactly how you communicate it. But at that point, the challenge is like, we have to give them enough time to grieve sort of, um, any change is going to make them mad. And so we want them to like process the change before we force it on them. So there's just this whole song and dance of like, we've got three full-time developers working on it. How do we order their projects? At what point is it good enough for alpha users? At what point is it good enough for beta users? When do we email people? When do we communicate about it? And when do we ultimately force everyone over? Yeah, I don't, I don't have like any amazing tips on this. Like we just figured it out. I feel good about our plan, but like the orchestration is a lot of work. Yeah, so the the more people it affects, the the more thoughtful you have to be, and the larger probably the other the other spectrum here is the larger the change. Yeah, um, the more thoughtful you got to be. Yeah, because um, most changes are just adding new stuff. No one's mad that you added a feature, but when mm-hmm. you change the way everything looks, it's it's a different story. Yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, Google does this stuff all the time, where I'm like, and they're they're, they're I think they're pretty good about sneaking stuff in, like little tweaks, but like yeah. I think I'm pretty sure Chrome has changed dramatically in the last six to 12 months, but I couldn't tell you exactly what changed, but I know that it was, di- I was using a different feel like a d- different browser. It seems like uh, mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. These two approach. And I, I, I go back and forth between which I like better of like one school of thought is bundle everything together and do it like once every three years or something, just like release all these UI updates so that people will, yes, it's a bigger change, but there's just this one temporary moment of pain and then you get used to it and it's fine versus like every day trickle out a different little change endlessly, which no one ever gets that mad about any one thing, but also they're just constantly in this state of like, well, what changed today? Something happened. Something's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel quite right. Um, so we actually, we, uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we originally, we were planning on going more to like a regular cadence for this. Not, not like every day, but like maybe if once a quarter we could release smaller improvements, uh, that was the plan. But then this just due to my fault, project management, like scope creep, it ended up taking a year instead of a quarter. And so now it's big enough of a change that we're not doing that. But I I do hope after this release, we're not going to like, save up for the next giant redesign. We're just going to kind of gradually improve stuff as we go. Yeah. It sounds like a plan. Like that's, that's the ideal, like extend the runway of your existing UI as long as possible. Yeah. The, the reason we didn't do it is like the thought process was we, we target really low tech people who don't like on average, our customers don't like change, but (laughs) a point my brother made that I agree with is he's just like, we're going to change. Like we're in this for the next three decades at least like just the two of us will probably retire 30 years from now he's like whatever change you're trying to save them from it's coming and we're better off getting our customers used to the change than we are trying to protect them from the inevitable yep so i like that (laughs) reckon's a smart guy yeah every every, it's so funny anytime i i feel a certain way sometimes i go to him and i'm like this is what i'm pretty sure is right but i have no idea why can you explain it to me and he's like okay here here you go here's 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 what's happening here (laughs) yeah um Um, yeah back to you yeah so so um one of the projects that i that i gave myself uh, this first couple months of the year was trying to buy time back 
uh, from finances. So I have this, it, it becomes an annual thing with taxes, but I do have a, like a monthly recurring thing that, uh, you know, I do our books. I'm, I, I make sure our commission statements come in accurately. I do like the finance stuff, um, produce, you know, uh, financial statements, um, and update the model. This is stuff that as a partner, you're going to be interested in. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm going to, I want to continue to have discipline around this, but I want to spend less time. And so I just wanted to, I, I've, I've kind of wrapped up my work on this and saved a ton of time and it's actually money too. Um, so uh, the first thing I did was I looked into bookkeeping services uh, to see um, if that's something I could just offload. And my big takeaway there was at our, at our kind of 50 K monthly recurring revenue, um, it's too expensive for where we are. Um, it's, it kind of hits the 400, 500 bucks a month um, kind of minimum. Um, and I was just, or maybe it was 4,000. It was some number that was, that was too much for me. Um, I was like, Oh, that's too expensive. Okay. I think um, we pay bench. Like I want to say it's three sixty five a month or something yeah. for less annoying CRM. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. 300, 400 bucks a month. And so I just said, that's too much. Um, rather put that into paid leads, uh, right now. Um, and, and what I ended up doing was uh, there were two things I did. Uh, the first thing was I realized that 90% of the time I'm spending in bookkeeping is uh, categorizing monthly recurring expenses that we're never going to cancel. <laughs> like they're just like there and they're important, like Webflow, Airtable, Pipedrive, Front, like all these tools we use. And so I just immediately just went and said, I'm going to f- switch all these to annuals. And so I switched them all to annual contracts, ended up saving like 20 to 30% anyway yeah, on them. Yeah. And then, um, you know, now I only have to check it once a year. Uh, Interesting. The other thing, um, so that was like one 11 twelfths of like the bookkeeping time I was doing. Um, and then the the other thing I, I did was I set up QuickBooks to auto classify stuff that I couldn't move to annuals. Um, so now I just log in once a month and anything that didn't auto classify quickly review it. And it's way faster now. So yeah, okay. saved a ton of time. Um, and then so I, just I, I, in I, theory, yeah. You you could have auto classified. You could have not switched the stuff to annual. I, I I get the logic, and you save money and all that. So I'm not disagreeing with it. But if you just auto classified it, the time savings of switching to annual, you kind of solved it in two ways, and you only needed one. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And the, the the advantage to switching to annual is primarily uh, saving on subscription fees. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I, I want to. We allow customers to pay annually a less annoying serum, but like they have to ask us. It's not. They can't self-serve annual payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of me, there, there's all kinds of reasons why that's true. But I am thinking like we, we should let people self-serve because I bet a lot of people would much prefer that, even if there's no discount at all. Yeah. I mean, it was like convenience, like just purely for convenience. The yeah. um, the other thing that um, I did, and I didn't have it in this update because it just happened, um, and that is uh, I switched CPAs. And that is going to save me about a 50% of my tax bill this year, um, just the service cost. Uh, my, my, my longtime CPA sold his business, uh, to a new CPA that jacked prices up. Um, they were gonna charge me $2,000 to do a business tax return. And, uh, so I was just, I was like, for a pretty, stupid. I assume you've got pretty simple taxes. Simple. Uh, we're an unprofitable yeah. C corp. Uh, <laughs> it's as simple as it gets. And I have yeah. the cleanest books you've ever seen. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> anal about this stuff. And so um, I found a new, a uh, new accountant that um, is going to do it in half the, at half the rate. And uh, he's already like the, the switch has already been great. So anyway, I've saved a couple thousand dollars and all this uh, saved hours of time every month. 
And now I can focus, kind of turn my attention to mama mentality around growing the business. Speaking of taxes, have you heard anything about its section, some, you know, three numbers, I forget what the three, 502 or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about like the, the small business qualified stock? No, I'm talking about the like engineering R&D uh, tax thing where, yes. uh, do you know the number? Cause I don't I'm, know the number, but I, I've, I've heard about the tax credit. Everyone's talking about it on Twitter and stuff like that, that like in the past, like the norm, my correct me. I, I don't understand taxes as well as you, but my understanding is basically like basically everything a business does. That's a real business expense is tax free. Like you make a dollar, you spend that dollar on something net zero. You have no taxes to pay. You don't pay like tax on the revenue, like income tax the way people do. But that the change is that R&D now has to be spread out over five years. So you you make the dollar, you spend the dollar, but you can only count 20 cents of that expense. So on paper, you just had an 80 cent profit it, for every dollar you spend on, for example, developers. Uh, is that how you understand what's going on here? I don't know how, I don't know the details of that, um, but I, th- what you're talking about is amortizing. Um, the term is amortizing the cost of, uh, of, engineering talent over the like the time that it like produces value because when yeah. you spend on development today it actually doesn't it's an investment in the future it's not a uh, an expense today and so basically you expense it over time um associated with like the value that you might get from that r&d and yeah i don't know it just seems like overly complicated stupid stuff but it makes more sense in the context of um of uh of of accrual accounting well it sounds like this is so my understanding this this was included in some like massive tax change. I think it passed years ago and it's just going into effect now. And everyone was like nobody agrees this is so the effect of this is basically you have to pay taxes on 80% of your engineer's salaries uh this year, which is going to like massively massively increase a lot of companies tax bills including potentially less knowing CRMs. Um Usually, when yeah. this—I don't know the details about this one. I, I was thinking of, of a tax a tax credit thing, um, R and D tax credit thing. Um, usually, when they roll stuff out like this, you have the option of doing it. Like usually, no, they no, go. This you- is apparently this is required, um, and everyone says nobody expected this to go into effect. Like everybody <laughs> knew this was bullshit. It was a bad rule written into a much much bigger law, and they were planning on repealing it. But then, and they actually wrote and were ready to repeal it. But then someone like bundled that with something else that was more controversial. And so it didn't get repealed or something. Anyway, so like everyone's like, this is going to get overturned, but it's possible as of this tax, like the IRS hasn't even issued guidance on it because they're like, this is so absurd. It can't happen. But as of right now, it's, it's real apparently. And that's, that's will impact you. Yeah. Um, thankfully we have enough money saved up that like they'll re I, I, it'll work out in the end. It won't matter. But for companies that don't have a big, a bunch of savings, I don't know what they're going to do here. Well, I'm going to be very clear. Um, you are working on leg up benefits and that is a marketing tool for our leg up health business. It is not, it is not (laughs) an R and D expense. It's marketing. Yeah. Are we clear about that? We are absolutely clear about that. And I am not giving advice to anybody, but it seems pretty clear if you just ignore the law and don't pay this, it will be fine. Uh, But anyway, just that's out there. (laughs) Yeah, comply with the taxes. But if you don't think it matters, then do what you want to do. Yeah, every every politician on both sides of the aisle has been like, this is not going to stay there, but they haven't fixed it yet. Okay. Okay. yeah, last update here, or it's not an update, it's, I guess, more of a topic, but 
We've been discussing um, two sort of related things. Excuse me, I've got a cold and I'm coughing over here. Um, two sort of related things. One is sometimes our, uh, well, let me just start with one. We've got a very large kind of enterprise type lead, like the type of customer that might pay us $100,000 a year or something like that um, if they if we were to close them. And the thing is, in order to close them, uh, they need like a little custom development. But the problem is they do not have any, this is just like for the size of company they are, it's kind of absurd how weak their IT resources are. And I think there are a lot of companies like this out there where they're multi-hundred or multi-thousand person companies that just don't have any technical talent on the team at all. Um, and they're like, we can only use you if we have, like, we need a little integration where if someone fills out a thing on our website, it needs to go to you. And they tried to hire an agency. The agency convinced them, how about we build the whole CRM for you and you pay us like a million dollars? <laughs> oh my this God. Happened, this happened did like they, try, did they do that? Yeah, they, they, they went with the agency and the agency, of course, completely botched it. <laughs> Uh, so now they're back to us and they're like, okay. I, 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 this is going to offend, offend anyone who's in outsourced software development. But like, I, I think that early, like people who sell like zero to one builds in outsourced software, they are in the like stealing money business. Like yes. they literally rip people off 90% of the time. It's uh, absolutely. And that's what happened here. But the, the problem is now this, this client, potential client has, PTSD from it where they're like, we don't want to work with an agency. They still, they trust us though. Cause a lot, like certain divisions of their company already use us and they've been working with us for years. So they're like, we know you guys deliver. This is um, an excellent topic. I love this <laughs> where topic. You, where do you think I'm going with this? I will. I, I think you're considering doing the work. Yeah. Should we, should we do custom development? And in our, in the past, this is the, our, our stance has always been, We'll we'll do custom development if it's something that was already on our roadmap. Like if if they're like, can you build this feature that everyone can use? We would be like, you got to pay us, but yeah, maybe we'll consider it. But this is like they want us to go into their code and have it send data to us. This is not something that would benefit any of our other customers. How would you think through this? My answer two or three weeks ago would be different than what it is today. Um, I had I had a huge epiphany in our last episode or the episode before that. I don't remember which one it was. And it was when you challenged me on surfing the wave. Um, and you say you didn't challenge me, but you challenged me with a story. It was really <laughs> effective. Um, it has opened my eyes. Like we have we have like walked. You should do you should be willing to do anything once is my opinion. Um, hmm. And so to say no to something you've never done before is cowardly and uh, it is stupid and foolish um, unless it's going to unless it unless it is. Um, it is a door that you can't walk back through. So my only caveat here would be, is this something that you could go walk in a door and then and design it so that you could walk out in a way that, that you know, you know, retains your reputation and, and, and relationship on the CRM side? Um, and if so, like, go do it and see what you learn. Worst case, you're going to learn. Uh, best case, you're embedded in a larger company's workflows, a, a significant <laughs> partner to them, and you're making more money. So the challenge with can we can we back out of it is like they don't just want us to write the code they want us to like it has to keep working. And so you know if if a year from now they're like well the data for the data we're getting in has changed formats then do we have like we're we're more like an agency working for them that also is selling them this product as opposed to like we did this one off project and it's done, you know. 
but you could always say like, hey, we'll, we'll do this for six months. And if it's going well, we'll keep doing it. But if it's not, like we'll need to offload it to another agency. Yeah. Um, or you'll need to hire someone. Yeah. So that that's certainly where I'm leaning to. Uh, but a, a big question here. So this strikes me as sort of an arbitrage opportunity where like, w- let's take this to its logical extreme. Should we just become an agency and do any type of work for any type of client that's willing to rent it out? And I think the answer is obviously no, but like, what's the difference between this and that? And well, yeah, but what's your thought on that? Um, I think you should go get the money right now on this economic downturn. <laughs> and I think that when, when, when it's tied to use of your core product, um, it, it's a, it's a, a clear exception to like a new business. This is part of delivering your exist on your existing value proposition to an existing customer. Um, and it's a way to extract more, uh, revenue from an existing customer. Um, it's yeah. a way to like put your like tentacles deeper into their workflows. Um, and, uh, it, and, and, and I think you'll learn a ton about, so, so this is like a great opportunity. I don't see it as like a distraction at all. Um, I don't know, like I'm so, yeah. going, I'm getting greedy here. I, 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 think I get excited. I, I think I agree with what you just said, but let me unpack it a little and break it into yeah. a few different pieces. So one is if I just went off, if we just did agency work and we were like, we've got developers, we're pretty good. Like we're, we're good at project management. We're not we're not incompetent the way those crooks that stole this client's money before were. We actually will do the work. But like that's not what we do. That would be a distraction. But in this case, we're not just saying, hey, give us X dollars for the job. We're saying, give us X dollars for the job and 10X dollars for our CRM. And you're very likely to stick, like it's going to make the CRM much stickier. It's like you said, it's a retention tool for the CRM. For I, I wouldn't do this for a small account because the money doesn't make sense, but you can almost shift some of the expected lifetime value for the CRM product over to the agency work you're doing. And as a result of doing that, you can pretend that the agency work is being paid at like five or 10 X what the normal hourly rate would be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I'm thinking of it as like, there needs to be some kind of multiplier effect where either the CRM is making a lot more money or we're able it's also sort of a productized service where the amount of work we have to do here is not that significant, but the amount of work someone else who doesn't know our product to integrate with it would it would be ten times more work. So we can charge a, a premium rate for that. And I, I still think you're looking at it at a level that is like uh, more more tactical than like I think the larger point, which is at the end of the day in a B two B scenario, you want to get embedded into people's workflows. You want to be like core to do their their doing business. And like, I think you have an opportunity here to become more core to this company doing business. And like, that is awesome related to I, your core product. And like, at I the end agree. of the day, like in general, like it seems like you should never, like never say never, but like it's when that, when, when an opportunity presents itself, one of the things I'm starting to learn is when an opportunity presents it, you to um, further embed yourself in an ideal customer and an existing customer's workflows related to your product, you do it. My pushback on that, I, I don't think you're wrong about anything you're saying, but my pushback is the specific scenario here is uh, serving large customers is actually goes against one of our core values. Um, now, our, our core value doesn't say we will not serve large customers, but what it says is our mission is to serve small customers and we will only take on large customers if we think it's a net benefit to our small customers. 
that's why when we say, hey, give us $50,000 and we're going to build a feature that our small customers will benefit from, it's just not what we were going to prioritize. That's a net win for everybody. But do our customers really benefit from us taking our developers off? Even if like, okay, the company made, you can always do this hand waving. Well, the company made a lot of money. That's got to be good for our customers, but it's, it's a little harder to, no, no, to no. justify that. I, I, I forgot the context there. Like that's strategic um, constraints that you've set on your business. And if any, if you have those types of constraints and a deal like this opportunity like this violates them, then it's a no, like, yeah. Or you need to like revisit those strategic, strategic constraints. Yeah. And then it's like, but the thing is like, also everyone has a price. Like I say, I'm not gonna, uh, I have no interest in selling less knowing serum. And that's 100% true. When people approach, I get emails every week, people being like, Hey, are you interested in being, being acquired? I don't even respond to them. I have no interest. But if a credible buyer came up and was like, we will give you $50 billion for less knowing serum. I'd be like, well, if you put it that way, (laughs) maybe, um, (laughs) right. So I, I do think there's like, we wouldn't do normal agency work for a large client, but if the if the multiple they're paying, if it's enough of a multiple above and beyond kind of the opportunity cost to us, I have to consider it. And I do think, yeah, like if it's enough of a premium, yeah, we can funnel that back into hiring another developer or something like that. Yeah. And there's this other thing I just want to call it. I've said it a couple of times, but there, when you haven't done it before, there is mm. this uh, learning that comes from the first time that you should be willing to go try, even if like you don't know for sure, because you can always turn it off and you don't have to do it again. Yeah, that's fair. I, th- that is compelling that it's just, it's what you had with group insurance. I know you already said this, but like maybe there's really easy money sitting in front of you that you're ignoring, but for some minor thing and you won't know until you try. So th- I, that's compelling. Um, and I do think it helps that the amount of work here is it's like, both a huge distraction, but it's much smaller than like the last time a big customer of ours paid us. I think they paid us like $60,000 to build some features. That was like a year worth of work for one mm. person. Um, maybe not. It was what, what something like that. This is nowhere close to that. Um, so it's, it's a smaller risk to take. So yeah. I, that, um, I thought this was a really interesting topic. I, I'm very interested in an update on this. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, what's the timeline? Uh, like all enterprisey things, I expect it to take a while. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I I don't have a sense of like if this is them just dipping their toes in the water and being like, well, hey, you know, I, I, I don't know where it is. I'll, I'll give an update as soon as I know, though. I would guess maybe in a t- two, three months, we'll have something to say about it. I'm, I'm interested to hear more about yeah. this one. I hope I hope you say yes. Um, until like it becomes like an obvious no. Um, and that could be like in the deal process, it could be a month into the project. It could be six months later. It could be never. Um, and then I'm very interested in the learnings uh, from servicing a customer like this. Yeah, for sure. My, yeah, my plan is like, you have money, we have expertise. If you're not paying us a fuckload of money, this doesn't make any sense for us. But if you're, if, if that, if that works for you, we're going to be the best agency you've ever hired like we're we're gonna knock this out of the park for him if they're willing to pay for it yeah professional services is really interesting to me um especially as you go from like on your multi-decade plan um because like oh gosh if i think you're gonna see something i think you're gonna if you do enough of these you're gonna get uh insights that you don't get from a free trial conversion ten dollar fifteen dollar per month software and you're gonna go aha um this is 
this is the next thing. Um, mm, that's and interesting. I, and I, that's what I mean by learnings. It's like, I think, I think that there is something sitting there and, 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 you know, around your space that you're just, you're, you're going to stumble upon eventually. But, but if you could, if there's ways to accelerate that, um, like this, I think is, um, do it. Yeah, you might be right. My my one pushback there. I actually just t- had a tweet thread about this earlier today. Like, I do think the this any company that's got hundred plus users that's using us is not using us in a normal way. Um, and I don't think we're going to get much insight about how like our core customers what they need because something's got to be unique for this large of a company to use us, which is the case here. But anyway, yeah, um, no, exactly. Yeah, I'll give updates for sure. Um, we got time for maybe one kind of backlog topic here. You got anything else on your mind? I, I like this, um, this, uh, from Akshay competing with funded companies. You want to pull that one up? Right. Yeah, sure. Uh, you want to start, you want to introduce it? I, I don't know the topic, but I, I was thinking about this general in general. Oop, I think we're fighting over it. Um, all right, here we go. <laughs> so I, I can't remember the context in which Akshay, um, so yeah, the question is, um, how, uh, can a bootstrap company compete with funded companies in 2023? Do we have any advantage over them? Um, it looks like these companies have raised a ton of money and are moving much faster and offering a lot of cheaper, like free options because they can afford to. Um, like, what do you do in those situations? And then I, I think the, the unwritten question here is like, how does an economic downturn potentially impact um, this landscape? And uh, I, um, anytime I think about this, I think about uh, raising money uh, from Kickstart Seed Fund one week and then the next week they had their their offsite and do you know who ryan smith is uh the name rings a bell but remind me he's a founder of qualtrics he, uh right, he, yeah, right, he yeah. recently he bought the utah the, jazz yeah, okay. yeah um but he he spoke at this event um it was pretty intimate and he was like he basically told everyone that they were idiots for raising money and that the uh because it's a seed com- <laughs> it's a seed fund so everyone just basically gave up control of their business when they had nothing and he's like yeah like in qualtrics it was over 100 million dollars at the time and he was basically like, yeah, I look at like when I'm thinking about competition, the first thing I ask is like, I want to see their cap table. And if I know that the operators, the people operating the business own less than 50% of the business, I know it's a matter of time before I beat them. And I think yeah, about that. God, I but, love that. That's awesome. And I, and I think about that every time I like think about bootstrap competitors. Like you, the, the advantage bootstrap strappers have over funded companies, in my opinion, boils down to time. Mm-hmm. Infinite now, time. I totally so so let's I agree and I think I know why you're saying that but let's walk through it out loud like it's because uh, the the normal venture capital playbook is you raise a bunch of money and temporarily you offer a great product for low prices like you underprice your product you spend a ton on marketing and you're just burning money the whole time but from a customer standpoint it's great right like as a customer I love DoorDash because they bring me food to my door and they lose money on every transaction. They're just giving me money. <laughs> yeah. um, but at some point, they either go out of business or they they turn the knob to start making money, which is bad for customers. Is that more or less what you're saying, that that has to happen eventually? Yeah. yeah. And I think the markets are different. Um, but like, yes, eventually, I think less about customers, more about investors. Eventually, investors want profit. And eventually, those, those, those needs will... Um, uh, will beat, you know, when, when, when there's not a majority owner managing those needs, uh, those interests will, will, uh, compete with customer interests, um, and, and lead to a, 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 a less, a poorer service, a poorer product, a, be- a, a worse run business, um, yeah. and, and some can beat. So I totally agree. Um, 
two two things to riff off that though. One, it's true, and also, uh, you know, the saying the market can stay irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Um, like some of these companies, Stripe, we recently found out is not profitable. They're twelve years old, and they most recently were valued at close to a hundred billion dollars, and they're still losing money. Um, there seems to be almost an endless runway for these companies to to burn money. Can a bootstrapper wait twelve years for this to kind of reach equilibrium? Yeah. The other interesting thing here is like the market that you're picking. Um, is it a one side like winner take all market? Um, yeah, I wouldn't true. want to be in. I wouldn't want to be in Stripe's market. Um, but I think like in in the context of this, like assuming you have a decent product um, and there's a fragmented market. Um, and there's some, you know, big honcho trying to come in. If, assuming that the, it's not like a just a market that you're going to get destroyed in, then yeah, time it seems like is on your side as a bootstrapper. Yeah, it ju- I I agree. I'm just so it, bootstrappers should be hoping for moments like this uh, because th- to answer my own question about Stripe, and I, I agree, Stripe's maybe a bad example because a bootstrapper wouldn't compete with them in the first place. But the reason they were able to go 12 years is because. Uh, there was no recession during those 12 years, right? It would have been much harder for them to run this playbook. And now every company is starting to lay people off, raise prices. They're, they're starting to say, like, we can't burn money forever. So I do think a moment like this is when a lot of companies will go out of business, which is good for bootstrappers, like competitors. But also nice. a lot of companies that don't go out of business are going to have to accelerate their their timeline to get to that profitability. Which, to your point, leads to raise, raise prices um, and... Uh, uh, oppor- which and other levers being pulled that lead to opportunities for bootstrappers to fill a niche, um, an underserved niche. What would you say though? So let's say like I don't, we don't know, are we really having a recession right now or not? But let's say we are. It gets bad. A lot of companies go out of business. Whatever. At the end of it, and then let's say you could just have a crystal ball and say there's going to be another 12, 13 year bull market after this. I could take that to be pretty discouraging. To be like, well, if you start a business right now. Your venture-backed f- competitors will not have to face reality for another decade. And maybe there's just no answer to this. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if you've got a, I mean, I don't know. I, there's an assumption in the in, in sort of answering this question that you've got a good business. Um, you're not just getting destroyed by another company. Um, right, right. Um, it's more of like a long, like, hey, like I feel threatened long term. Well, don't feel threatened long term because long term you're winning. But like if you're if you're like losing every deal to a competitor, um, there might you might be in the wrong market. Yeah. One other thing I want to talk about. You, you mentioned so they're like eventually they're gonna the, the investors are gonna demand certain changes. Yeah, one of those is just raise prices. But another th- there's other ones that you can maybe use. You can position yourself against them. So for example. If I were in a, like, I'll just use my market for an example, CRM, uh, there's always a lot of competition for small business CRMs because every new startup starts targeting small businesses because you don't have a very mature product and you can't sell to the enterprise yet. It would be a mistake for us to say, okay, because all the new entrants that are venture funded go after small businesses, we're going to move up market and go enterprise. Because when their investors eventually turn the knob, enterprise is where they're going. That's where the money is. Um, So it might be helpful to kind of stake a claim in an area that you know the venture-backed companies are not going to be interested in. 
a, a lazy way to do that is just what we did, like very, very small businesses that need a lot of customer service. But maybe there's in specific industries, there's other ways to say VC companies will not touch this. I, I think that's that's exactly 100% awesome. Yes. Um, figure out like a, a niche that is not going to go like get dominated by a VC and then build off of that and um, grow from there. I agree. Yeah, that's what we're yeah. doing with with Utah small business health insurance sales. I mean, right. Yeah. You're, you're going after kind of undesirable customers, but mm-hmm. that are still profitable enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be interested if, if any listeners have other thoughts, it's sort of like anytime I talk about niching down, the only niche I have to th- speak of is industry. There's must be more than just go after smaller businesses. Like what are other ways to, to do something that VCs won't do. Well, I'm thinking about this other deal that you've got in front of you where it's, mm. um, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, like, let's go serve, I don't know what this com- company this is and what industry they're in, but let's go serve 1,000 person custom CRM situations, um, and and they can't you know, help scale. Them. Yeah, they can't scale, and so that's that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, I I feel where actually it's coming from here that I, I mentioned this in our yearly recap that I'm feeling a lot more pressure from the competitive. Like CRM has always been competitive. Uh, Salesforce started a decade before us. It's not like we entered into an uncompetitive market, but it feels different now. It feels like the bar is way higher. You can't just launch some MVP and like no one's going to use it because the competition is 20 years ahead of you instead of when we launched 10 years ahead. Uh, so it, it is, it's tough out there. It's competitive. Hopefully whatever's going on right now, whether it's a real recession or not, hopefully it dries up enough funding that we can have a nice little reprieve and a lot of these companies either die or move up market. And this could be a really good period for bootstrappers coming up. Or not. <laughs> or not. We'll see. Or, yeah. And, and the, the, there is an interesting like sort of side conversation here that we're not having, which is like SaaS uh, is sort of dried up at this point. Like if you, yeah. if, every SaaS, like there aren't that many new ideas in SaaS. Um, would, would it like if, if you were going to bootstrap into a, a non SaaS industry, um, what would what would it be, um, and like what what would be like the the SaaS of ten years ago? Yeah, I mean, so you're absolutely right. SaaS is it, like you you'd be an idiot to start a CRM company or a project management company or something like that. Maybe you could niche down and be like, we're the CRM for X, like for travel agents. But even that, there's at least four CRMs for travel agents that I know of. Um, I would have said maybe this isn't quite what you're asking. A few years ago, Savvy Cal launched, which is a Calendly competitor. I think that was kind of the next wave of like Calendly was the Salesforce of like, yeah, Calendly is way smaller than Salesforce, but like the markets are so much bigger now that even that kind of less meaningful product, I think Savvy Cal was the less annoying CRM to Calendly that, that, that we were to Salesforce. Even now, I feel like maybe that's dried up too. Um, but what would you call that category? Is that like a, it's almost like stringing tools together for yeah. automation. Like I think I think of CRM and project management as like system of record. It's like you build a company around this. It's such a core business need that it was solved honestly like in the 70s they had CRMs. Um there's now this ecosystem of add-ons that are kind of like less business critical and so as a result they weren't as mature. Um but even those are start like the second tier of those are starting to fill out. So like what's the third tier? I don't know. This is one thing I love about leg up health slash benefits is the software has nothing to do with it. It's you, Rick, know a bunch about this really horrifying, boring compliance bullshit topic. (laughs) 
that's that's what no one wants to compete with. It's not that people won't be able to compete with the software. It's that no one wants to. No one has Rick, this expert on tax deductible employee benefits in the corner. That's the advantage there. Mm, interesting. So is, yes. are there other markets like that? Maybe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, legal like t- anything that re- highly regulated would be interested. Yeah, government stuff, uh, yeah. medical stuff. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't like with my experience. I wouldn't go do that. I wouldn't be like. I'll go into the medical field, this guy who knows nothing about it. You'd either have to partner with a co-founder. Um, <laughs> Rick just moved his camera and we've got a we've got a little child, Oliver, back there on the porch. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think you can just be like, I'm going to pick a heavy, heavily regulated industry, industry and go do it. The reason you can do it, Rick, is because you've been in the industry for 15 mm-hmm. years now. So you either have to partner with someone or like go... I'm kind of jealous of people who have been working at like as an IT person at a construction company for the last 10 years because it's like you probably know something about construction companies that no one else knows Broken. and you, yeah. you're in a great position to build something for them. That's interesting. Yeah. But fun, fun topic to talk to. It brings back memories. Like I was like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have raised money. And like that was not what Kickstart, I think, wanted everyone in their company, in their like portfolio uh, to like receive <laughs> as a, a keynote message from, from Ryan Smith. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. That's very cool that you got to see that live, though. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Very vivid memory. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about? No, let's call it and go and uh, enjoy your vacation. Pina colada waiting for me. Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startplast.com. See you next week, Tyler. See ya. <laughs>